guys. Hey, it's good to see you all here. Uh, we're well into the swing of Christmas, uh, and we're doing something really cool. It's going to be a very great commission Christmas. Okay, we're in Matthew chapter 28. So if you have your Bible, go to Matthew chapter 28. The way it lined up is that, I don't know if you've tracked with us the whole time or not, but we've landed here in our teaching series in chapter 28, verse 16 through 20, uh, which means the next three weeks, uh, we're going to uh, finish up the book of Matthew, which feels historic, like we did it. Good job, guys. We're there, um, wrapping up that whole book, but we're really splitting this, what we call the Great Commission, which otherwise we might teach, uh, we probably would teach it in one Sunday. We're actually going to teach the same four or five verses every week for the next three weeks, but at a different angle and in a way that builds toward Christmas. So today, I'm going to take this, the, the words, all authority. That's the... The meaning I want to drive home today, that Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Next week, we're going to focus on the actual command, go therefore and make disciples, teaching them, baptizing them, uh, making disciples of them. And then the following week, we're going to focus on when Jesus says, I am with you always to the end of the age, which I don't know if that sounds familiar to you, that God is with us. But that sounds like Christmas to us. So that's how we're going to do the next three weeks. I highly encourage you to be here. Um, it's going to make more sense together than it would apart. So Matthew 28, 16 through 20, let me read that. Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let me read one more time the words that he said. These are from Jesus. Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So you hear those three pieces there, those three parts. And oftentimes when we think Great Commission, we start with the go, therefore, and that's the command, which is great that that's familiar, but the command comes out of a statement. So you may have heard the words indicative and imperative before, either back in high school or middle school or from Bible study since then. But there's the indicative and there's the imperative. The indicative is a true statement, or at least a sta- it doesn't even need to be true. It's a statement that then logically leads to a command based out of the statement. But what I want to say is that the command is only as valid as the statement is true, right? So you're saying blank statement is true. Therefore, go do blank thing. And if, and if that's true, then this is a balanced request. Um, so just think about with anything. If the dark chocolate peanut butter cups from Trader Joe's are not that good for you, then don't eat too many of them is a fair and balanced request. But like if this isn't, you know what I mean? But if this isn't true, this isn't fair. That's just mean and cruel. So if blank isn't true, then this is a terrible idea. If blank is true, then this is a good idea. I just wanted to be clear, this command that we know of as the Great Commission, this command, it's only true and valid 
if the all authority part is true, because if the all authority part isn't legit, everything that follows is ridiculous at best. At worst, it's delusional and it's dangerous. Because if the all authority part isn't true, like, just think about the next series of words. It starts with make disciples. If Jesus doesn't have authority to go and say something like that, like, that's just a weird thing to say. It's just a creepy thing to say. That's what cult leaders do, or maybe TikTok influencers, maybe political leaders. I don't know. Like, just, just all your least favorite people. Like, that's make disciples. I don't like the word make in there. Like, you force them, create them, create them into some sort of followership of what or of whom? Do you beg them to become disciples? And then not just of the people around you, of all nations. Take this one thing that you believe and export that across all nations. Right? Does that work well for everything all the time? No, that sounds scary. That sounds awful. And then you say, baptize them? What does that even mean? What does it do? What does that accomplish? And then you teach them. To obey. Okay. If all authority isn't given to the person who just says all of that, like those are awful things to say. We have to understand that. And we take the command for granted, we do, and that's not a bad thing because a lot of us are just really familiar with the statement before. That's great. But if we don't stop every now and then, and here's my hope for this morning, if we don't stop every now and then, to challenge our assumption about the statement, about the indicative, then we miss some of the truth that's buried there in the imperative and the indicative. So let me be clear this morning. Let's not miss this. This command that we know so well, go therefore make disciples of all the nations. This command, it flows from the truth that all authority has been given to Jesus. And if that's not the case, then none of it means anything. So let's ask the question, where does all authority come from? What does it mean? And just a heads up for the morning, I'm doing about four pages of just bragging on Jesus. And then there's about half a page on a quick invitation um, and an idea for us from there. So bragging on Jesus, where does all authority come from? What does it mean? Two words here, the word all, the word authority. Frederick Bruner says it this way, that the divestment of power is absolute. The divestment of power is absolute. That means that it's a monopoly. Jesus has all of it. It's a total monopoly, guys. The words I like to think of are extent and efficacy or effectiveness. So it's about power and place. Not only in what places is his power in effect, but what things does his power affect, A-F-F-E-C-T. So power and place. Think of that. Most of us can say, I have some power in some places. Some of you might say, I have some power in all places. Maybe you feel a pretty healthy sense of control over your life. Others of you might say, I have all the power in some places. Like maybe you're in charge of something. Maybe you lead something. Maybe that's a lot of you. That's the crazy thing. Carrie Underwood could start coming to our church. She would still have to audition through Rebecca, like if she wants to start singing on Sunday mornings. Like because Rebecca has that power in this place. Some of you have all the power in some places. Guys, don't miss this. Let me throw it on screen. Jesus has all power in all places. Jesus has all the power in all the places. The divestment of power is absolute. It's a complete monopoly, and he has all of it. 
Abraham Kuyper said it this way, there's not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. It's all his. So he himself says in the Great Commission, I have all authority. It's been given to me by the Father. I have all authority. That's all power. Where does he have it? In heaven and on earth. That's all the places. More on where that came from. He says, it's been given to me, which only works if the person who gave the authority has the authority to give the authority, right? You get that? Sometimes my five-year-old tries to give my seven-year-old permission to do stuff that she's not supposed to do. She's like, she tell me, you know, like she can have more dark chocolate peanut butter cups from Trader Joe's. I'm like, no, you don't have that. Like you can't tell her that. And I like that they're in each other's corner for stuff, but that's not how this works. And then they try to set up a vote, you know, like, so it's two versus one. Like, this is not a democracy, five-year-old. This is a benevolent dictatorship. (laughs) And she cannot have that right now. Guys, Jesus gets his authority from the Father. John 3.35 says that the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. John 14.10, the words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. This is Jesus speaking. I don't speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me and does his work. Jesus is always clear all throughout the Gospels that his authority comes from the Father. It's not his own. And that means everything because the Father has authority to give. So then more on the efficacy, the effectiveness of his authority. Not just where is it in effect, but what does it affect? What are the closed doors that come swinging wide open at the sound of Jesus' name? Because it's just that powerful. A couple things are true. As a generous gift from the Father, just a couple things to highlight today. Number one on your notes, Jesus has the authority to create. That was given to him as a gift from the Father. He has the authority to create. Um, Actually, take your Bible. Go over to Colossians chapter 1. If you have your Bible in your lap, go to Colossians chapter 1 because I'd love for that to be... Um, the last place your bookmark was in today when you go home. And I just want to read verses 15 through 17 there in Colossians chapter 1. It says this, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. This is Jesus. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he, Jesus, is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. For by him all things were created. All things, he says. And he says, let me give you some examples of all things. Things in heaven and on earth. Things that are visible and things that are invisible. Whether it's thrones, whether it's dominions, whether it's rulers, whether it's authorities. All things. We're created through him and for him. He is before what? All things. And in him, what? 
all things hold together. Like I, I want to sound like a broken record here again and again. He says all things, all things, all things. You want me to spell it out more? Okay, things in heaven and things on earth. That's all the places in things that are visible and invisible. Like that's all of the things. You need to hear today that all things were made by Jesus and for Jesus. Follow-up question, were you made? Follow-up answer, yes. Addendum, you were made by Jesus and for Jesus. I was made by Jesus and for Jesus. That's what Colossians 1 is all about. That's what we are for. That's why we're born. That's why we're made. By Jesus and for Jesus. And this means everything. This means everything. The times in life where you just feel like like you're just kind of floating, like you've lost your direction, lost what you think is, is purpose, lost your definitions of stuff, lost what you thought was true, like all these kind of moments that you and I all have all the time, just to know that, that you are here because of Jesus, you are here for Jesus, and there's a million different ways you can try to find purpose, and you can try to find satisfaction, there's a million ways under the sun, you can chase that, or you can chase that, or you can chase this or that. Like you can just, whatever it is, keep chasing, keep trying, and it's just not going to work. It's just going to keep not working and not working and not working because the truth is you were made by Jesus and for Jesus. And the heart is restless, we've heard, until it rests in him. There is so much buried in this that we could talk about for hours, but I just want to highlight two things from that today. If he has the authority to create, if all things were made by him and for him, a couple ideas here. Number one, this means that it is his privilege and his alone to decide and define what is reality. Let me say it one more time. It is Jesus' privilege and his alone to decide and define what is reality. I could ask you, what do you think blank is, whatever it is. What do you think this table is? And whatever you say to answer that question, it'll determine how you interact with that thing. Like, I think this is a medium-sized bistro table, and it fits an iPad and a Bible really well, and it's a good height, and that changes how you interact with the thing. But what I think about the thing has zero power to change what the thing is, right? Zero power over changing what the thing is. We were just watching Elf a couple nights ago, and I, I know it's basic because it's the storyline of every Christmas movie ever, but you remember at the end where the kid Michael is on the news, and he's like talking to the newscaster, and he's like, you want a Tiffany engagement ring and your boyfriend to stop dragging his feet and commit already. It's like the best part. But before that, he's like, he shows up on screen, and he's all panicking, and he's like, guys, Christmas won't happen. We gotta believe Santa's sleigh isn't working. The propulsion system needs our songs, blah, blah. And he like keeps on going like that. I love that, but it's so funny. Like, it's actually their opinions of the thing that'll determine if the thing is more or less real. I get it. That's all the Christmas movies, and they're fun. I'm not knocking on them, but it just struck me the other day. This isn't like that. This, like, none of this changes depending on what you think about it or how you feel about it. This isn't like that. Like, I could ask you, what, what do you think truth is? What do you think justice is? What do you think success is? How would you define the good life? You can think whatever you want about all of that, but it doesn't change what is true and real. 
Those decisions and those definitions, they come from the one who made it all. And again, for me, this feels like freedom and liberation because every time I start in my own life subtly trying to redefine truth and justice and success for myself, those are all the times my life slides towards chaos and away from peace. You know that three-year-old kid in some family, maybe your family, who like has way too much power and it wreaks havoc on the whole family all the time and you're just like, that kid was not made to have that much power Stop letting him decide all of these things that he's not meant to carry. That's me when I'm trying to redefine truth and justice and success for myself. That's you when you're trying to gain that authority. You weren't made to have that kind of authority. That weight will crush you. I was made to respect the boundary lines that my father has set in place. To respect what he says is and is not to go where he says to go, to flee what he says to flee from. Because his heart is good. His banner over me is love. In his light do I see light. In him I live and I move and I have my being. That's what I was made for. I wasn't made to try to grasp for authority, to redefine and redecide what is truth and reality for me. I wasn't made for that. You weren't made for that. He has set the boundary lines in pleasant places for us between what is the good life and what leads to death. And I was made to walk by his light. Number two, if he has the authority to create, this means all that was, is, and is to come exists within his sovereign rule and reign. It exists within his sovereign rule and reign. And we get to look at words on a page and see that. We get to experience that in our own lives and through the testimony of others. In this passage, I like to kind of imagine that we're the disciples and we are hearing Jesus say this. So he says from his mouth, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And if you're one of the disciples, you're not thinking of passages, you're thinking of memories. You're thinking of stories that you saw and are going to be telling for the rest of your life. You're thinking of the time a a centurion said, I've got a servant who's sick and dying at home, but hey, I get how authority works. I've got people who answer to me. I answer to others. I know that you just say the word and they'll be healed. Jesus, just speak the word. One word from you and they'll be healed. And he did and they were. They remember stories where a woman who had been sick for years Just thought, if I just touch his robe, just the edge of his garment, if I just touch it, I will be healed. Because that's how powerful Jesus is. And they saw it. Because they were the ones there trying to get him through the crowd. Now get away, he doesn't have time, he doesn't have time, get away, get away. And she's healed. And Jesus feels the power go out from him. Because he just did a healing, miraculous work without even thinking about it. They have these stories Life in color memories. To drive home the point that everything that exists exists within his sovereign rule and his reign. Meaning that he can say words from his mouth to weather and it changes. Storms stop. He tells sickness to leave and sickness leaves. He can tell the power of darkness and evil, demonic influence and power to go and it's gone. Nations rise and fall in accordance with his providence. Kings and presidents 
principals and parents, all just miniature expressions of control. And they're imperfect, just imperfect mirrors of his infinite authority. I don't know if we understand that all the time. Like, if you could think of some of the most powerful people in the world, you know there's some people out there who, because of their connection to other people, there are some doors that have come open for them. Like, they're allowed some places that you and I are not allowed. You know what I mean? Like, if your last name is Bezos, like, there's just, (laughs) there's some clubs you can get into (laughs) that no one else can get into. There's some, like, some, you know, some dividers that they open up for you, and you can go, but we can't go. You understand, like, the faintest mirror that is of the infinite authority of the Lord who made everything. And he lives in and through and for us. Like, do we understand that all the time? Can, can you just think of the, the doors that have come swinging open? Because you know the creator of everything. You know the ruler, the leader of everything. I don't know if we understand that all the time. But it means that he alone can provide the level of security that Romans 8 talks about. He says, I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor security, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's what it means that he has the authority to create. All of that is true. Number two, he has the authority to save. As a generous gift from the Father, Jesus now has the authority to save. There's this passage in Revelation 5, and like all of Revelation, um, it's, it's cloudy and shrouded in, in John just trying to do his best to articulate with words this vision that an angel gave him of like the end of time. And there's a scene basically where this, there's this scroll, and it contains the names of life, those who have received life and have been reconciled to the Father, and John is weeping, and everybody's weeping in this scene because nobody could open the scroll. There was nobody who had authority or power to do it. That means that the door was shut between heaven and earth, between life and death, us and eternity. No one had authority to unlock it. And then he says, Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. The word behold, like just look. Everybody's weeping, but just just look at this. Look at the lion of Judah, the root of David. Those are historically rich names for Jesus. Look, behold, Jesus. Then he goes on. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. So Jesus takes the scroll, and all these people fall down before him, these creatures, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saint. Just this deep, rich language for the, the highest of possible praise and offering and sacrifice. And together they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. By your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you've made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. He goes on, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Just behold it. That's Jesus. 
Nobody else had authority to save. Nobody else could do it. You couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Nobody could do it for you. Your parents' religion couldn't do it. Your best behavior on your best day was like filthy rags before him. You couldn't do it and I couldn't do it. Only he could do it. The price for our sin was death. That was the price tag. That was the cost of it. It had to be death. It had to be someone who was fully God and fully man because it had to be, it had to be human to sacrifice for human sin, but it had to be God because he had to be perfect. He had to be like Hebrews says, he can sympathize with all of our temptation, but he himself never sinned. He was never guilty of anything. So in order to be an all-sufficient, actually effective atoning death and sacrifice, it had to be Jesus. Like run all those filters on all the people that ever exist, and it all zones down to boom. Result one. There's only one option, and it was Jesus. He had the authority to save. He, was wor- he and he alone was worthy to open that scroll, to open the door and unlock it between us and Father, between us and eternity. So we see he has authority to create. He has authority to save. Look at number three. He has the authority to sustain. Just a couple New Testament passages really quick. Hebrews 1.3 says that he, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Hebrews 12.2 goes on to say Jesus is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. When you see the word perfecter, will you think he completes, he makes whole, he finishes it. Philippians 1.6 goes on to say, He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He who began the good work, he will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So I see that he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Okay, that's huge. That's powerful. And then I ask, okay, how does that hit me? Well, he's the perfecter of my faith. He's the finisher of my faith, of my spiritual journey, which it's crazy if you think about it. On, like in our lives, faith is that space. Like I understand faith. It's believing what you don't see. Like if you know it for sure, there's very little faith required. Faith is that the thing that closes the gap between what you're like, okay, I have, you know, I have that evidence archaeologically. I have this, you know, I believe in this, believe in the canon of scripture, all this. But there's always going to be this gap between what you're certain of and what God calls you to believe. And you're like, I'm, is 90% okay? Like I'm almost there, but I, I just... I just don't think, this side of eternity, I don't think 100% certainty exists. That's why there's faith. And there's a day, though, where Jesus completes your faith. He perfects it. He finishes it. This good work of faith that he's begun in you, he will bring it to completion. And so... For you, if you're, if you're anything like me, like on your worst days, when it's like in your worst fears, okay, what if none of this is true? What if he, what if he doesn't see me? What if he's not even there? 
And if he is, what if he's not even good? Because I feel like I could build a case for that. Other people certainly have. There's this window of uncertainty that requires faith. And that's what it means to be a disciple to Jesus and, and to be further and further sanctified. Like your faith continually drawn to be more dependent and more complete and more full and more finished by Jesus. And that's the process of our lives, right? This back and forth thing, like this Romans 7 kind of existence of, ah, sometimes I just feel like I don't even believe it. Sometimes I do things I don't want to do, then I do, don't do things I do want to do. Racked with doubt all the time. Like you read some of the stuff Paul writes in the epistles when he's in prison, the stuff about being crippled by anxiety, like just feeling like he's sitting in darkness that he can't escape. But then he sounds kind of crazy at the same time because he'll go from that right to just praising God for how good and faithful God is. The Christian life, I'm just, all I want to say, it's, it's incredibly complex and it's very nuanced. And there's, like, sometimes we have this kind of up and to the right, you know, graph in our minds of what it means to be a healthy, growing spiritual person. And in reality, it's just like that, and then it's like this, and then it's like that, and then you feel like you're back here, <laughs> and then it's like, let's keep going, and then some highs, and then some lows, and then you kind of, you end up getting there eventually, but I don't know if, it, if it's encouraging to anybody else, but it's encouraging to me that, that Jesus, according to the author of Hebrews, he's the one who started it, and he's the one who's going to finish it which is great because I'm also, I'm great at starting things and I'm bad at follow through. I don't know if that's you too, but Jesus is the founder of my faith and he's the perfecter of my faith. He's the one who's going to finish it. And he just wants my dependence all the way through. He just wants me to lean on him. He doesn't need me to buckle up and pull all the bootstraps up and, you know, like prove my, he doesn't need me to prove anything. He needs my dependence and my faith and my, my weakness presented honestly to him day in and day out and just to say, okay, you're a light for my, my feet, a lamp for my path, and, and that's all I need. I can just hold it like that and take it one step at a time, knowing that what you started, you're going to finish. What you began in, my, in me, you're going to bring to completion, and you're going to make it perfect. Imperfect as it is now, you will make it perfect. All the promises of God find their yes in Jesus, meaning that they are and they will be fulfilled in him. So when he says that he won't forsake me or leave me, he has the authority to guarantee that. That is absolutely true because he has, by the authority of the Father, he has the authority to sustain me. Now, th those three things I, I think are true. I think Jesus has the authority to save. He has the authority to create. He has the authority to sustain and I was just racking my brain all week, like, what's the, what's the call? What's the invitation? And it sounds super simple. I just want you to think about it. The invitation is this. What if you actually believed it? That all things were made by Jesus... He has the power to uphold the universe. By his power, by his words. Like he can speak 
like I'm speaking now, like words come out of his mouth, and literally things change. Like by one word that comes out of his mouth. Like he'll, he could say, hey, Storm, be still. You remember that moment? He can say, be healed. And the sickness leaves. And then believe. He has the power to bring perfection to your entire faith journey. Like, he's going to perfect that. Oh. I'm just always beating myself up all the time. Like, I just... Because I want to follow Jesus and I want to please him, but there's just so many days where it's like, ah, kind of missed it that day. I kind of bonked on that day. (laughs) Bummer, you know? There's like this this real future where you won't struggle with sin anymore. You will be perfected before him. And it feels like the longer like you're alive and follow Jesus and the more Sundays you come to and you hear stuff like this, it's like, okay, I think I believe that. Okay, I think I believe that. Okay, I think I believe that. But like it's really going to happen. Yeah, that's actually real. Or we've been wasting our time this whole time. Because of who you know, there are some doors that have been opened for you that you could never open on your own. And Jesus has invited you into mission with him, the co-mission, mission with Jesus. And that's what this Christmas season is going to be all about for us at ABC. And so that's really the invitation. Will you just believe that? Jesus has all that authority. Will you believe that? As we get into next week and we look at the actual command, go therefore and make disciples, we look at that which finds its validity in the truth of his authority. As we get into that, And as we just get into the Christmas season this year, would you just consider like never before, what would it look like to actually believe for every space in my life to be touched by the authority of Jesus? Because I know you have those relationships. You feel like they've fallen apart and there's no hope. But would you believe that 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 exists within the authority of Jesus, within the sovereign rule and reign of Jesus? or you're stressed and stretched with finances and you don't know what the future is going to look like and you're not sure how to make it make sense, do you know that that exists within the sovereign rule and reign of our Lord Jesus? What would it look like if you actually believed that as we head into this Christmas season? I'm going to pray and we're going to respond in worship. I just want to encourage you to to worship as one who submits everything, like extreme submission, extravagant worship before him because all authority is his, because he's worthy, he's holy. So let's give him blessing together. But let me pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your words in this text. That You just say, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. We just want to stop right there today. We want you to challenge our hearts to believe that. So Holy Spirit, we invite you right now, just in this moment of pause and silence, Spirit, help us believe that in a fresh way.
Lord, all things were created by you and for you. Things that are visible, things that are invisible, things in heaven, things on earth. Rulers, dominions, thrones, authorities. Lord, everything. My life and the lives of those in this room created by Jesus and for Jesus. Would we believe that like never before? And would our lives flow from that truth? In Jesus' name, amen.